Good morning, church. Glad you're here. Go ahead and stand on up as we serve a God who's told us everything that's going to happen. Let's take him at his word. Let's believe that he's going to speak into our hearts today.
Thank you. 
for all that you have done. You want to have a relationship with us, and it's so evident in the work of Jesus Christ. We come into this place today to give you glory, to give you honor. And even if we had thousands and thousands of more days, Father, we don't have enough to give you the praise that you deserve. It's in Jesus' holy name that we pray. Amen. Why don't you guys have a seat? Wow. Amen. Yeah. Uh, my name is Jordan. We are so happy that you guys have come to join us this morning. You know, there's a nip of fall in the air. How many are excited about that? Anybody? How many of you are like me and it's still summer for another couple weeks and we're going to cling to it? Yes? All right. Here are my people. Big, big war being waged. We are thrilled that you have come to join us this morning. we got a couple of things, though, that we want to make you guys aware of before we go any further in the service. First of all, if you've been with us for any length of time during 2023, you're probably aware of our 12,000 nudge campaign. All right? This is a really cool thing we're doing. We are trying every month to nudge 1,000 people a little bit closer to Jesus. Right? And you guys have done a great job participating in this. It's going great. We want to keep that momentum all the way through the year. And this month, um, if you were here last week, you know we have a really exciting one. Uh, and this is all about Oreos. Okay? On your way out, on your way in, you probably saw the table out there. Grab a pack of these. Find somebody in the community, a coworker, friend, neighbor, whatever, uh, who needs a nudge closer to Jesus. Give them this package of Oreos. We've got a little message on here. The good stuff is on the inside. See, it's spiritual. Okay? Move them toward Jesus just a little bit. Let them know that there's a group of people here at Capital City Christian Church that love them, that would like to get to know them better. And specifically this month, we're wanting you to invite people to church. We have a big event coming up in a couple weeks. We're calling it our Weekend of Welcome. Some really cool stuff we got going on. Uh, this will be the weekend of the 22nd and 23rd, I believe, here in two weeks. Um, invite them to church on Friday night. We're going to have a family movie night here at the church. On Saturday, we're going to be tailgating for the UK Vandy game. Uh, and Saturday evening, we're going to have some events for high schoolers, a bonfire, I believe. Uh, check with Brad to get the specifics on that. And then, of course, all that's pointing to Sunday morning uh, when we want everybody to come here and worship together. Let's try to pack this place out for both services, okay? I'm really excited about that, so make sure to grab your Oreos, get them out to nudge somebody in the community this week. Uh, finally, we're doing, uh, periodically we do a class called 101 or 201, basically to, to let you know, if you're new to Capital City, uh, what we're all about. And this week, we're doing, we're offering our 201 class, okay? This is just all about us as Capital City, a church, what it means to be a part of our family. If you've been coming for a while, uh, but you've not made that decision yet, but you'd like to know more about who we are, this is an opportunity for you to get to know us a little better, okay? So we're going to have a class, uh, have this meet um, out in the connections room in the lobby, head straight out into the lobby, take a hard left. It'll be right after this service at 1045. Just a really brief uh, opportunity for you to get to know some of our leadership. We'll tell you a little bit about ourselves and let you ask any questions that you might have for that, okay? Um, now, in regard to today's service, um, how many of you guys are like me and sometimes struggle with listening? A little bit, right? Anybody? Anybody? I thought so, okay? This guy over here is like, what did he say? Yeah, exactly, sir. That's what I'm talking about. All right? There is a difference, though. We know as humans there's a difference between hearing and really listening, right? That's what we're going to talk about today. But to get us warmed up, Steve sent me an article earlier this week. Um, you know, sometimes we're, it's, it's about effort. Sometimes it's, there's an obstruction, right? We can't, we literally can't hear because maybe there's something physically in our ear. Uh, well, this has happened to many people. Um, so he sent me this list of the craziest things that have been found in the human ear. All right, this is kind of wild. We're, we narrowed it down to three. So here are the top three that have actually been found in the human ear. Number one, let's see a picture of this one. Yeah, that's a, that is a cockroach. It says, an Australian man from the city of Darwin was forced to seek medical attention after a cockroach delved into his right ear while he was sleeping and refused to come out. 
The man was made aware of the unwanted creature by a sharp pain in his ear that woke him up, understandably. It got increasingly worse as he tried to suck the insect out with a vacuum cleaner. Reasonable. When this didn't work, the man decided to see a doctor who, thinking it was a small object, initially put olive oil in the ear, which only worsened the problem. I mean, imagine that. Your doctor's... Pre- I'm going to prescribe you some EVOO. See how that works. What is it? Rachel Ray, this doctor? What the, what the heck? Well, it didn't work. Uh, the cockroach simply crept deeper into the ear, forcing the doctor to eventually pull the insect out using forceps. Both doctor and patient were astonished to see that the roach was almost 2.6 centimeters long. Now, I'm an American, so I have no idea how long 2.6 centimeters is, but Steve says it's somewhere close to 11 inches, we think. Uh, so that was number three. Number two a dandelion. A young girl from Beijing, China, reportedly had a dandelion growing in her ear. Uh, Says the parents of the girl took her to the doctor after having seen something growing in her ear. Doctors found a fully formed dandelion about two centimeters long upon examining her. Once again, the metric system rears its ugly head. It filled the whole ear canal, but the doctor said the removal process took just moments. I just hope they got it out by the root or that thing's coming back. Uh, Finally, this is uh, my least favorite one, Um, if you can believe it, a Barbie shoe. The blogger Cafe Mom claims that friends of hers with a preschool child, who apparently had a tumor in his ear near his brain, were told that it might be a fast-growing form of cancer, which could have spread to their son's brain. However, this has a happy ending, doctors discovered that it was actually just a pink Barbie shoe. The object had been in the boy's ear for quite a while, and tissue had started growing around it, making it look like a cancerous tumor. Wow. Now, I will say, I'm sure that was very annoying for, for that little girl to have, or the boy to have a Barbie shoe in his ear, but it can't be any more annoying than hearing about the Barbie movie for the last month and a half. <laughs> anyway, that's just my commentary. Anyway, I don't know um, if you struggle with hearing the way that I do, particularly listening sometimes. And I don't know what objects you have, but when we're hearing from God, sometimes, you know, we all, we all hear from him in different ways, but we can really struggle to listen. I think is our main problem. Actually, Scripture addresses this in in Psalms. It says, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God. We are the people He watches over, the flock under His care. If only you would listen to His voice. What's keeping us from listening to God today? That's what we're going to talk about here in just a few moments. Uh, In the meantime, we are going to... uh, go into our time of communion. And of course, during this, this part of the service, we remember what Jesus did for us, how he made a way for us. We've got the, the bread that represents his body that was broken for us and the juice that represents his blood. And I, I want to, you know, I never want to overlook this part of the service. This is so important. God has made a way through his son, Jesus Christ, that we can always be with him. And we will do this uh, to remember him until we are with him eternally. Also at those tables that we're going to go to, you'll see a brown box. That's, uh, if you're a family member here at Capital City, that's where you can put your tithes and offerings. If you're, if you're not part of this family, feel, feel under no obligation to participate in that. You'll also so see the white generous buckets, and that's where we just, if, if God has blessed you particularly this week and you want to give back a little bit over and above, that's where we take uh, those monies and we get those to people who are hurting in our community as, as quickly as we can to make sure that we're being a blessing to them. That's an opportunity for, for you to do that. In the meantime, though, I'm going to ask everybody to stand back up for a moment, and we're going to continue to worship the God that is worthy of listening to and hearing from. How I long to breathe the air of heaven When pain is cold and mercy fills the streets To look upon the one who bled to save me and walk with 
Let's pray together. Father, we know that you're in the room. And I know, Lord, that uh, we're not only here to talk to you, but we're here to listen. Give us the humility to do so. And now may the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our hearts please you. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. I think I've fretted over this sermon as much as I have in a long time. Because what I'm going to talk about this morning is really important. Something that I'm not very good at. But it's not going to sound important. So I really need you to kind of lean in a little bit and see whether or not... uh, something you need. How many of you guys have ever told yourself, I should have listened? I should have listened, right? You ever made a mess because you didn't listen? Have you ever stumbled into a mess because you didn't listen? Now, if you're alive and honest, you've been there, right? Should have listened to my mom, my dad. Should have listened to that cop, that teacher, that coach. Should have listened to that guy who was there before me. Now, this may be very difficult for some of you guys to accept, but I can be stubborn. And I have been accused of not listening a lot because I don't. Sometimes I don't listen just because I'm stubborn. I'll tell Julie sometimes, my wife, you can ask me to do something for you or you can tell me how, but you can't tell me both. And I'll do it my way even if she's right because I don't listen, just honoriness. Sometimes I'm accused of not listening when in reality I just don't hear as well as I used to, right? Sometimes, though, I am accused of not listening because I am really good at zoning out. You ever, you guys, you're good at zoning out, aren't you? You know, you look like you're sitting there and look like you're attentive, but you're somewhere else. Sometimes I don't listen because I don't want to. I've got these really nice Bose noise-canceling earphones in my office. And when it gets noisy, the chatter in the office gets there, I'll put these noise-canceling earphones on, turn them on, and if that's not enough, I'll flip on Spotify so I can block out their noise completely. I am a master of not listening. In fact, I'm pretty good at not listening to God. How about you? How many times did you not listen as a kid? How many times did it mess you up? How many of you guys have kids that don't listen? I don't know, maybe 5th, 6th, 7th grade, my kids, when they were little kids, we took them to the Grand Canyon. It's an amazing place. And we took the time to take one of the trails down into the canyon. Now, it's not a really narrow trail, but there is a 4,000-foot drop on the one side, right? And so I keep on scolding my kids, stay next to the edge, don't keep fooling around. But finally, Julie and I got so tired and so tired of scolding them I finally said to her, whatever, they're not going to listen. If they fall off, we're going to make more, right? (laughs) I used to have three kids. (laughs) I was a professor for a few years. Now, if you have ever taught, you'll notice that a lot of students don't listen, right? My preaching partner, Randy, he did some teaching. He tells me that sometimes at the end of class, he'd give a pop quiz, open book, open book pop quiz at the end of class over what he had just taught, right? They can use their notes. 
And he said, it's amazing how many kids failed the quiz. Because some had slept, some were buried in their phones, some had just zoned out, but they're not listening. How many of you guys are married or have been married? Have you ever known a husband or a wife to not listen? At work, ever known an employee not to listen or a boss not to listen? I really get amused as I watch politicians campaigning because sometimes they go on these listening tours, right? But every time you see a picture of them on the listening tour, they're talking, not listening. And have you ever watched Jesus followers go to church and not listen to God? Sing a lot, talk, but have you ever known a Jesus follower to not listen? And do you suppose that that causes any problems for us as Jesus followers? So how do you guys not listen? Some of you guys, when you don't want to hear something, you just turn up the volume on something else, right? Any of you guys ever turn up the volume on your TV so you don't hear the noise that your kids are making? Been there, done that. Have you ever done that with God? Sometimes we just try to avoid the person that we don't want to listen to, right? You see him coming and you go the other way. Have you ever done that kind of like with God? Sometimes we just try to hang with the people who are going to agree with us. We call that an echo chamber. You're only going to listen to people who are going to reinforce what you already think so you don't have to think. How many of you guys live in an echo chamber? Boatloads of us, I suspect. Well, how many of you ever hung around with people who are going to reinforce your grievances with God? What if? What if, guys, that God is actually trying to talk and we're not trying to listen? You suppose that happens? Now, I am a doctor, which is why they call me Doc, right? But I'm not the real kind. I'm, one, I'm not one of those medical doctors. I'm one of those professor-type doctors who talk, and we think people ought to listen. We're usually not nearly as smart as you think we are. But I'm not a medical doctor, so I don't want you to take anything that I'm about to show you as medical advice. In other words, don't try this at home without talking to your doctor first, right? Your real doctor. How many of you guys struggle with keeping your ears clean? In fact, they get so blocked that sometimes it impedes your hearing, right? When I was a kid, my mom would torture us with Q-tips. How many of you guys have been tortured with a Q-tip? By the way, that's not recommended today, right? She'd take that thing and just stick it in so far that I was pretty sure it was going to come out the other side. I've read about people who use paper clips, hairpins. You think that's wise? A lot of people use some kind of an oil to soften up the earwax, baby oil, olive oil, coconut oil, sweet oil. Others use salt water, hydrogen peroxide, baking soda, vinegar. Others go for more high-tech options, and I kind of like high-tech options, so I scanned a little bit on Amazon to see what I can find, and I thought this one was really cool, the Bee Bird Earwax, earwax Removal Tool. What I really like about it is it's got a 1080 camera, right, it's got all of these different tips you can put on it. It's got six LED lights. That is flat out cool. I wanted to buy that when I was looking at it, right? Here's another one that's cool. I just like the title on this one. It's the Whoosh Pro by Black Wolf. 
It's a deluxe water-powered ear cleaner. It actually has a triple jet stream with three pressure settings. You can stick it in your ear and just blow the stuff out. I thought that was cool. I almost ordered that one too, right? Here's one of the scariest. This is a three-in-one earwax removal tool. Look at those tips. If my mom had had that, we'd all be dead, right? <laughs> and then look at this set. For only $6.49, you can get a six-piece set of professional double-headed ear-pick tools. Made out of real gold, I'm pretty sure, right? $6.49. Can you imagine the terror that you could inspire in your kids with these? And if you're old school, some of you might have used ear candles. You stick one of these candles in your ear, you light the other end, and hope you don't fall asleep, right? I thought about investing in a few of these things to give you some options. I thought about setting up some stations in our foyer so you could clean up your ears before you come into this room because we're pretty good at not listening in this room. We talk a lot, but we're pretty good at not listening. We make all this noise, but what if God is trying to whisper something and our ears are stopped up? What if Jesus is still speaking and we're not listening? What if God's Holy Spirit is trying to communicate with us, not just in this room, but every single day, and we're not listening? How big a problem do you think it is to not listen to God? Now, I need to come clean. I've already told you, I am an absolute hypocrite, right? Don't be judgmental, you are too. But there are things that I preach that I'm just not good at. And I do that intentionally, because if I only preach the thing that I am good at, then I wouldn't have anything to say, right? My job is not to preach what I'm good at. My job is to preach what God wants us to hear, I think. So I've told you before, in reality, I preach to myself, and I let you listen in. Now, we use this phrase around here a lot. We Jesus followers want to do life with God, for God, God's way, together, right? Now, personally, I'm pretty comfortable with doing life for God. I've been a professional Christian for about 50 years, right? I am not bad, I suppose, at trying to do life God's way. I mess up some. I really believe in doing it together. But unfortunately, doing life with God is the hardest one for me. And it's probably the most important of the, of the whole batch. I mean, if you're talking about for God, I'm all in. God's way, I try together. Believe in that. But with God. Did you know that that's the most important part of your life with God? The most important thing you can do is to be with God. So here's the idea that I'm going to try to unpack this morning. Because I believe that learning to listen is the first step and probably the most important step in doing life with God. You cannot claim to be doing life with God if you're not trying to listen to Him. Listen, guys. Loving and listening kind of go together, right? If you really love your spouse, you're going to try to listen some. And loving and being with are kind of connected, aren't they? I mean, if you really don't want to be with someone, can you really say you love them? So, and this is a hard question because a lot of us don't think of it this way. 
Do you love God? Do you love God really? Do you even want to do life with God on his terms? And do you actively try to listen to God? I'm not just trying if he forces himself on you. Do you actually try to listen to God? And here's the deal. This is what blows my mind. Every single one of us, we were created by God to do life with God. That's your purpose. It's God's dream for some crazy reason. He wants to do life with us. I don't know why God wants to do life with me. Sometimes I don't want to do life with me, right? But he does. And here it is. You were designed for life with God. You were created for life with God. You are invited to do life with God, but he will never force you to do life with God. But what do you lose when you don't? And I'm not talking about just believing in God. That's easy. It's a whole lot easier to believe in God than not to in my mind. And I'm not talking about just doing life for God, God's way. Those are relatively easy. I'm talking about doing life with God, whatever that means. Now, Lisa Mackey is teaching a series on Wednesday night for the ladies on the different names of God, and she's exploring some of the different words that are used in the Bible to describe different facets of God, and I don't know if she's gotten to this one yet, but it's my favorite. Sometimes he is called Emmanuel. You've heard that, right? It's a Hebrew word. Actually, it's three Hebrew words, M, Manu, and El, kind of jammed together. And it literally means with us God. The with us God. About 700 years before Jesus, this prophet named Isaiah said this. He said, look, the Lord himself, God himself is going to give you a sign. This virgin is going to conceive a child, which is weird, right? A virgin bearing a child. She's going to give birth to a son and you're going to call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Hmm. 700 years later, an angel appears to Joseph and he tells him to marry his pregnant fiance because, according to the angel, she's a pregnant virgin. He says, marry her anyway because the child inside of her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She's still a virgin. And she's going to have a son and you're going to name him Jesus because he's going to save all people from their sins. And then Matthew said this. He said, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin is going to conceive a child. She's going to give birth to a son, and you're going to call him Emmanuel, God with us. Listen, why does God care to do life with us? Why would God bother to do life with us after we dissed him, right? People diss me, I'm perfectly content to do life without them, at least for a time. Why does God even want to be Emmanuel? I'm going to take a, what may look like a side road for a few minutes and do a little bit of theology. Theology means the study of God, what we know about God. And I'm going to show you a couple of big words that theologians use about God. You don't have to remember the big words, but I want you to grasp the ideas. Number one, God is transcendent. 
transcendent. The real God, the big G God, transcends, which means he's not part of this universe. He stands outside this universe. The creator is not part of creation. A lot of people mess this up. Listen, Gaia is not God, right? You're not God. All of us collectively are not God. No one in this universe, nothing in this universe is God. He transcends it all. Which means that our physical senses, which can only interact with our created universe, struggle, right? We can't hear God unless he accommodates to our senses because he transcends. We can't see God unless he accommodates to our senses because he's transcendent. But he's also imminent, which means that even though you can't see him, he's always with you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God is in this room? We actually use another big word, omnipresent, which means that he's always everywhere. He's here. He's in your car as you go home. He's in your house when you get there. He's at work. He's at play. Does that bother you? I mean, sometimes we like to close our eyes and pretend that God can't see us. I said that literally. It's as silly as it sounds. God's always here. Because he is also relational. I didn't have that one up on the screen. I should have. Listen, guys, God didn't create this world so he could try to love someone. God created this world because he loves. And he created out of a superfluity of love. He created the world so that we could enjoy life with him too. God wants us to do life with. Because it's the kind of God he is. Well, that's a little theology. Now let me teach you a little anthropology, which means the study of man, right? Study of us. If you want to know why you're here, you want to know what you are, it's worth consulting the Creator, right? Genesis 1, verse 26. After God had created the stars, the planets, the plants, the animals, the seas, everything else that's in them, God says, let us make human beings, us, in our image, to be like us. That's one. So God created human beings in his own image. He repeats it. That's two. In the image of God, three, he created them. Male and female, he created them. He doesn't want you to miss it, guys. In the image of God, three times. That doesn't mean that we look like God. It doesn't mean that he has a physical body like we do. God doesn't. It doesn't mean that God is male or female. Both sexes are in the image of God. But whatever else it means, it means that you are unique in your ability to do life with God. Because in some ways, we're like God. We're kind of like his kids. In reality, human beings are kind of like hybrids, right? We are physical, spiritual creatures. We stand with one foot in the physical world like the rest of the creatures on this earth. But unlike all the other creatures on this planet, we have the ability to interact with the spiritual world. And you have felt it. You sense that there's more to this than what you can see with your eyes and hear with your ears or touch with your hands. You sense that there is someone behind all of this. There's a meaning, there's a purpose to it. 
you sense that when you die, that's probably not going to be the end of your story. Nearly all humans for all of time have figured out there's got to be some kind of a God behind this thing. Because, the Bible says, God has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people can't see the whole scope of God's work from the beginning to the end because he's God, right? Doesn't fit into this brain. Which means, if you follow it through, God created us to do life with him. You were created not just to exist in this physical world, but to have a spiritual life with God. First story in the Bible about Adam and Eve is about them doing life with God in the garden, walking with God in the garden, a life that they had the freedom to reject like you do. You were created for life with God, but he's not going to force you. If you want to squeeze him out, he'll let you. They chose against doing life with God, for God, God's way. So they were kicked out of the garden. This separation took place, and the rest of the Bible is about God trying to fix what we broke. It's about God being Emmanuel, because God is not easily discouraged, right? Thank God. And that's what Jesus was all about. Jesus was God in a bod, working to reestablish a relationship with us. Go figure. He was God in a bod, removing the barriers between us and God so we could do life with God again. And right before he left earth, right before Emmanuel, God with us, left earth, this is what he said. This is huge. He said, be sure of this, I am with you. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And that's not a threat, guys. It's a promise. It's an echo of God's dream. It's an echo of God's purpose for you to do life with us. And when Jesus went back to heaven, whatever that is, God's Holy Spirit kind of took his place with us. Jesus actually said, he said, it's better if I go away physically because if I don't go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, isn't going to come to you. But if I go away, I'm going to send him to you and he will be everywhere. God's Holy Spirit is everywhere. He's here. If you're a Jesus follower, he's inside of you if you let him in. He's God's way of doing life with us. You know what heaven's going to be all about? It's going to be about doing life with God. We don't even think of it that way, do we? We're so screwed up, we don't have a clue about what makes heaven heaven. We think heaven is about streets of gold. We think heaven is about buffets where you don't get fat. We think he heaven is about reunions that you're going to get to have with your family and friends. We think heaven is about no pain, no sickness, no death. We are clueless. When God gives the Apostle John a metaphorical glimpse of heaven, John hears this booming voice saying this. It says, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with us. That's heaven. We don't even get excited about that part. They're going to be his people, and God himself will be with them. Emmanuel, God with us. Finally experiencing the life that we were created to live. What terrifies me is that we don't even look forward to that part. How messed up do we have to be 
to want what God gives us more than we want God? How messed up do you have to be to want the gift more than the giver? We don't even see it. But what if, guys, what if life to the fullest, life at its best, is doing life with God, with God, for God, God's way, together? And what if we discover that a huge part of doing life with God, in fact, it starts with listening to Him? What if our very Creator not only wants to hear from us, what if we actually discover that our Creator is actively trying to whisper to us? What if there really is a big G God? And what if you discover that that big G God is trying to communicate with you in a variety of ways? Do you think it'd be smart to listen? You think it'd be stupid not to? Some of you guys have attended one of our half-day spiritual retreats. We had two of them this summer. We're going to do it again next summer, God willing. We try to spend the morning getting quiet because usually our lives are so busy and so noisy that if God whispers, you can't hear. It's kind of like that verse in the Psalms, be still, know that I'm God. Shh, shut up for a bit and know that he's God. Quit talking and know that he's God. That's hard for us. During these retreats, I always have them start out by reading some words by a guy named Henry Nouwen, a really, really thoughtful Christian man. And he says that our lives are so busy, our lives are so noisy, so overfilled, that when God whispers, we can't hear him. God usually whispers. You don't want God to raise his voice, guys. In fact, he says we often become deaf to God. We're deaf to God, which is stupid because we're unable to know when God calls us and unable to understand what direction he wants us to go. Thus, he says, and this is really powerful, he says, a life that doesn't listen to God is called absurdity. It's absurd. Not listening to God is absurd. In fact, he points out that the word absurd comes from a Latin word, surdus, Latin, which means literally deaf. In other words, our lives are absurd if we refuse to listen to the God who's constantly speaking. On the other hand, he says, the word obedience comes from a Latin word, ardire, which means listening. And I was skeptical when I read that. I didn't know if he was right. It just didn't look right. So I looked it up, and actually, obedience comes from two Latin words that are jammed together. One of them is ardire, which means to listen. So if you don't listen to God, you're living an absurd life. If you listen to God, listen receptively to God, that's life at its best. Because he's God, and he's smart, and he's good. And for some crazy reason, he wants to do life with us. You get that? So maybe the first priority of a Jesus follower who wants to do life with God, maybe the first priority is not to obey God. Maybe the first priority is to listen to God. Maybe the first step in doing life with God, for God, God's way, is learning to listen. I mean, a lot of us say that we're willing to obey God, but we're not willing to listen. What good is that? So we just do whatever we think is right and ask God to bless it, right? Instead of trying to understand what God thinks is right or good. 
And we're kind of like those athletes who refuse to listen to their coach or those musicians who refuse to listen to the conductor or the students who refuse to listen to their teachers or a kid who refuses to listen to their parents. Maybe the first priority of a Jesus follower who wants to do life with God is to learn how to listen. And guys, that's what this next series is all about. This whole sermon this morning is just set up for where we're going in the next month. By the way, besides the Bible, there's a book that Ben and I are going to be using as a resource during this series. It's a book by Leonard Sweet and Frank Viola called Jesus Speaks, Learning to Recognize and Respond to the Lord's Voice. And they say, and I hope they're right, they say countless Jesus followers want to hear God's voice. I hope that's you. The trouble is, a lot of us don't know how. So they spend some time exploring the different ways that God speaks and offer some guidance on how to recognize His voice because you're going to hear a lot of counterfeits. And over the next few weeks, we're going to try to learn what it means to listen to God. I mean, there are some Jesus followers who interpret just about anything they feel as a word from God, right? You ever heard some Jesus follower who constantly say things like, the Lord told me? When I was at the college, I can't tell you how many times a girl comes into my office all giggly and she says, the Lord told me who I'm going to marry. Next year, she'd come in and tell me someone else God just told her she's going to marry, right? And I'd always ask them, do you think it's biology or God, right? Lord told me to call you. The Lord tell me what to say. And sometimes we're like, are you sure it was the Lord telling you that? Because sometimes what they say is kind of dumb. And other Jesus followers are like, why didn't God speak to me like that? What's wrong with me? Some Jesus followers think it's the Lord's voice when it's not. Other Jesus followers kind of think God has given them the cold shoulder. Bottom line, God is whispering. We're just not very good at listening. A lot of us, I hope most of us, I hope all of us by the end of this thing, want to hear God's voice because that's the key to the best life but we're not sure what it means. So that's what we're going to try to unpack. Here it is. God doesn't just want you to believe in Him. That's easy. God wants you to do life with Him. You were designed for life with God. You were created for life with God. You're invited to do life with God, but He won't force you. But why would you settle? I mean, a whole lot of us settle. I settle most of the time. Most of the time, I'm way too comfortable not doing life with God. I'm perfectly content doing life for God, God's way. But why is it so hard to be comfortable doing life with God? And yet, do you know that that's what he prizes most? God isn't most pleased with you because of what you do for him. He's pleased most with you when you do life with him. It's kind of like your kids. What a parent treasures most is not what their kids do for them. It's being with their kids. I think God's kind of like that. So the real question is this. Do you really want to do life with God? Do you? I fear that most of the time we don't. God wants to do life with us. Emmanuel. Do you want to be doing life with God on his terms. See, a whole lot of us want to be with God on our terms. 
I want God to be available when I need him, right? I want God to be on call. I want God to help me when I ask. Can you imagine what it would feel like if God treated us like we treat him? Can you imagine if your prayers always went to voicemail? We don't want God to interfere with us on his terms. We kind of want God to knock first, right? But what if life at its best is doing life with God? What if we discover that when we actually listen to God as much as we talk at God, we can discover a strength, a peace, and a hope, a joy that our messed up world cannot rattle. And this morning as we worship, he's in the room and he's whispering, are you listening? When you go home, he's there. Periodically, will you shut up and listen? We're going to be talking about some different ways to listen over the next few weeks. So I hope that you come back for more because this is really important stuff. Let's pray together. Father, we believe that you're here. We believe that you whisper. And we acknowledge that we don't always listen. And we admit that that is messed up. You're good. And you're wise. You're God. And we know that life starts with doing life your way, with you. Give us the wisdom. Give us the courage to be real Jesus followers. Pray, Lord, that this will be a relationship with you, not just some belief that we have that is cold. We do want to love you dearly. In the name of Christ, we pray these things. Amen.
answered prayers back then and you will answer now you are the same god you are the same god you were spirit as we go out into this world. Let the world know that we are yours and that light that you have given to us we want to give to this world. Thank you so much for loving us. This is in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. We're going to go into overtime and do one more song if you feel like you need to leave. Go right ahead.